Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. What mighty praise, O God, belongs to you in Zion. We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. We will fulfill our vows to you, for you answer our prayers. That is an interesting thing that David says. He's making the claim that one of the things that motivates him to be obedient is the fact that God answers prayer. Uh, Anybody ever thought that prayer was weird? It's okay. I know we're in church and we talk about prayer, but it's also okay to think maybe it's weird. And it's also okay to maybe be a little bit critical about some of the things that we talk about here. I was told uh, growing up in a few different scenarios, I don't know, it must have been a popular idea going around in the church in those days that in order to maybe make prayer sort of flow better for you personally, you should sit down in one chair and then have an, an empty chair opposing you. And you should sort of pretend that Jesus was in that other chair and you should just talk to him as though he were a friend in that way. And as a, I think I heard that when I was a teenager, as a critical teenager, that just didn't work for me. Like, no, I'm not going to play some silly game. I think the idea was to sort of help us bring Jesus down to our level or, or help us understand God as this very personal, loving friend who wanted to hear about our prayer. So if that's how you pray, I don't mean to diminish that. I'm just saying that didn't work for me. We recently talked about uh, this, all of these things about you know, how we come to the conclusion that there is an intelligent designer of our world, of our reality. And we brought up all kinds of different examples. One of the things that scripture says about our universe, about creation, is that from creation, we are able to discern God's character attributes, his invisible qualities. We're able to know things about God because of how he has created. And so as we enter into this discussion about prayer, one of the things I've been thinking about is where's the connection between creation and prayer? And, you know, you think about the elements of prayer, this idea of communicating with an invisible being. How does that work? How would we discern from creation that God would have us 
pray to him. Christians aren't the only ones that pray, by the way. Most religions pray like something, you know, above 90% of the world's population has some form of prayer integrated into their worldview. Maybe not 90%. I'd have to think more about the statistics, but a large percentage of people sort of get this prayer thing. It seems to be that it's almost natural to human beings for us to pray. Somehow, even outside the Christian faith, people have discerned that God wants us to pray. So maybe it is that, you know, you're walking out in nature and you're seeing things in nature and maybe you come to the conclusion that the creator of this universe is awesome and that he, he loves you. He, he at least likes you because of how he has created, because you find yourself enjoying the creation. And the only reason that you would find yourself enjoying the creation is if the creator wanted you to have joy. And so you, know, you start piecing things together and you start coming to this realization that God loves me, likes me. So, you know, that's kind of one piece. And then maybe you realize that somewhere along the line, the creator was trying to communicate certain things to us. Like the way in which he created, he, he intentionally wanted to communicate things to us. And so maybe you start thinking about that a little bit. And then you realize you can communicate. And you think about the intelligence necessary to communicate and you start piecing all this together and, and then maybe you conclude that God would have us communicate back. And maybe you go a step further and you realize the creator desires community with me. And then maybe you get very reflective and you realize I desire community with the creator. I want to know more about this creator. And so that is the basis for prayer to start happening. One of the things you realize in that whole process as well is that the creator is powerful. He is all powerful. And you realize you are not all powerful. And so you pray. And David says that he will fulfill his vows to God because God is the one who answers prayer. David is inspired to live the way God wants him to because David sees that God is a kind of God that answers prayer. Well, that's sort of, you know, just on the conceptual level. Paul gets very serious about prayer and, and really moves this discussion forward in, in a lot of different ways and makes it really, really intense. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Paul says, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. Whoa. I don't know if you ever do that when you're reading scripture, but sometimes you should read a couple of verses and then think about it, and I think your conclusion should be, whoa. Because Paul just opens up a massive part of the story that maybe you've never been aware of. Maybe you thought that, you know, if you want to be like a good person, you should just kind of come to church and, and hang out with other people who are good and, and you know, that'll make you more good and, and uh, you know, well, I'll just kind of be happy together. Well, that's not the story. That's not the story at all. I mean, that's like a very distant byproduct of everything else going on. The story Paul is telling us is that there is this tremendous battle raging in the universe that we are participating in, but it is unseen to us. It is in the invisible realm. I can't really prove this to you. This is something that we, we trust the scriptures about because of all the other things that we see being true. I remember we've been talking about this a mountain of evidence and because of this mountain of evidence, we are willing to struggle with the difficult parts of faith. This is one of those very difficult parts of faith to believe that there is this battle waging, raging in the world around us and it's unseen, but we are somehow a part of it. Uh, my first real experience that, um, you know, that, that I can remember is as a child, I don't know if this was just mental or paranoia, but I felt like I could see dark shapes moving around in my house. I was alone at that time. And so it, it could have just been stuff going on in my mind. But it caused fear to enter in. Later on, as a uh, youth pastor, I was given a, a cassette tape. Does anybody know what a cassette tape is? It's not something you can find on Spotify. Uh, but... Uh, my, my senior pastor, he gave me a cassette tape, and it was the story of this uh, youth ministry that had begun uh, praying for the, like, a high school student ministry that had begun praying for their high school and praying for God to move in powerful ways in their high school. And it was just story after story after story of how different students were coming to know Jesus. The most unexpected students from the most unexpected backgrounds were finding Jesus in this high school through this ministry because they, these, these leaders and these students were praying intensely for their classmates. And it was such a powerful thing. I was getting like, just like goosebumps. I'm, I would say fairly non-emotional. At least I try to contain it completely. But I was getting emotional. And part of this is I was, I was actually, um, it, it was building my faith. 
because I was realizing, hey, I could pray. I'm a, I'm a youth pastor. I could do this too. These are, you know, this is the same God. And so I started praying. There was a, a uh, young lady in our student ministry that um, had talked about hearing voices sort of being dominated by these uh, forces uh, to force her to do various things. And it, you know, it was like uh, a textbook case of like demon interaction. I don't know if I want to say possession or not, but I just had this anger come over me, this anger against Satan. And I started praying. I've, you know, I had never prayed like that before. I had no idea what, I mean, I didn't know I could get that angry. And I was praying for her. I was, I mean, you, you would have thought I was an exorcist, but I was alone, so you just have to take my word for it. And I was praying in Jesus' name that evil would be repelled and that the, the claws of these demons would be released and it's some weird stuff I was praying, honestly. And I, I went on, I, you know, that moment passed, I went on and it was several days later, I had forgotten all about this and I'm standing at the door to where the kids are walking into our youth ministry and this girl comes up and, um, you know, as she's walking up, she says, were you praying for me? And I, I didn't even remember this other situation. I said, well, yeah, I always pray for you. I was just thinking like, you know, general pastoral stuff. Sure, I pray for you. And then she, she comes up, you know, like right up and kind of gets intensely, intensely in my face and says, no, were you praying for me? It was like three days ago at two o'clock. I was like, um... And I started thinking back. And I said, yeah, I, yeah, actually I was praying for you right around that time. And she said, I knew you were praying for me. I was having all this weird stuff going on in my head. And suddenly, whew, nothing. Peace. That blew my mind. Uh, I, I thought about, whoa. I mean, I've heard stories. And now you're hearing a story. But I, I didn't know it was like that. That's incredible. Um, so I at least, I'm convinced that what Paul is saying is an actual real thing. I'm convinced that not just the prayers that we pray, but the things that we do and the thoughts that we have and the attitudes that we have and the way we spend our money and the way we give and the way that we host and the way that we treat other people. I think all of those things are incredibly, incredibly significant, far beyond 
any understanding that we have of how significant those things are in the spiritual realm. And I think that we are in the middle of an intense, raging battle. And I think that's why over and over again, Jesus and Paul and every other New Testament writer says, be alert, wake up, be diligent in your prayers. I think there's really, truly, something to the unseen realm. Truly something to this idea that our battle is not against flesh and blood. That this is almost a facade. Our real battle is far deeper, far bigger than we realize. In James chapter 5, and verses 17 and 18, the author attempts to inspire us to pray bold, big, courageous prayers. And he says that Elijah was, a, was, was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. That's a big prayer. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. If you don't know that story, it's an incredible story. Elijah knows there's only one thing that's gonna get the attention of the people of Israel and cause them to return to God, and that is if their economy falls flat on its face. And in order for this agricultural economy to fall flat on its face, no rain. So I'm always challenged, would I be willing to pray for the American economy to fall flat on its face? For my own personal finances to be tragically destroyed? In order for our nation to return to God? I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase that's been made famous now, but you know, it's the economy, stupid. That was uh, Bill Clinton's political advisor, James Carville, reminding him that Americans really, at the end of the day, only care about the economy. So if you can win on the economy issue, Americans will look past everything else. My other challenge here is that I don't believe James, that I'm like Elijah. Because <laughs> when I read about Elijah, I know that he is righteous on a completely different level than I am. And in verse 16, the verse that precedes this, it says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has power and produces wonderful results. And I know at that point I'm out. <laughs> you ever read the scriptures and you're like, oh, hmm, they're definitely talking about somebody else. Well, there's hope, the verse before that. We're reading the Bible backwards now. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. <laughs> There's this way to be righteous, even if you aren't righteous. Did you get that? There's a way to be righteous, even if you are not righteous. 
Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah is having a conversation with God. The nation of Israel has failed, failed miserably, and God has told Isaiah, bad things are on the way. I, I cannot, in justice, allow Israel to continue as they are. There have to be consequences for their actions. But he reminds Isaiah over and over that there's a new day coming. There's redemption. There's a Messiah coming. There are all of these good and wonderful things coming ahead, but there's going to be some difficulty first. Isaiah says, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Wouldn't that be awesome? How the mountains would quake in your presence. And we don't like that image so much. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. I think we, we do like that imagery, at least to some degree. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. Wouldn't it be nice just for God to reveal himself in a really powerful way? so that people would know, including ourselves. I mean, isn't there a part of us that actually desires God to, to do even some terrible things in our own lives so that we would be motivated to be righteous people because don't we know that that is the best part of life? That is better than convenience and entertainment and comfort and luxury. Righteousness is better. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations, and oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear, and no ear has heard, and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. That's back to that prayer relationship. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? Does that sound like anybody you know? Does that sound like a nation near you? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. And here's the very sad part. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. It gets even more sad. This is the Lord's response, Isaiah 52, 1 and 2. The Lord says, I was ready to respond. But no one asked for help. I was ready to respond, but nobody asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. All day long I opened my arms to a rebellious people, but they followed their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. 
I've told this story before, but every time I think about prayer and my own prayer life, this is the story that comes to my mind. So if you've heard it before, I sort of apologize. Uh, it's a story about a shoe salesman back in the day when people got around by trains and he had his suitcase full of shoes, like a traveling store, and he rolled into this town and he noticed something amazing right when he rolled up. He noticed that nobody in this town had shoes. And he thought, I've hit the jackpot. <laughs> you know, this is my career right here. This is amazing. I'm going to sell shoes all day long. And he stepped off the train and he, he walked up to the first person he saw that didn't have shoes, resident of that town, and he said, hey, nobody has shoes here. Um, and the guy looked back at him and said, yeah, yeah, nobody has shoes here, and then walked away. It, it, it kind of got him like he was looking for an explanation. It goes to the next guy. You know, I've noticed like nobody in this town, nobody has shoes. And the guy just looked at him and said, yeah, yeah, no, nobody, wear, nobody really wears shoes here. And he walked away. He's getting frustrated at this point. All right, somebody's going to give me an answer. So he really kind of confronts the next person and says, listen, I got a question. Um, I, I'm a shoe salesman, but this isn't because I'm a shoe salesman. I just want to know, why doesn't anybody have shoes here? I mean, it, it doesn't really make sense. Shoes have been around for a while. We know about all the positive things about shoes. Why doesn't anybody here wear shoes? And the guy just looked back at him and said, yeah, you know, we've talked a lot about um, the value of shoes. And, you know, we see other people wearing them every once in a while. And we think, yeah, that, I mean, that seems like a good idea. Um, but, <laughs> you know, you're right. Nobody, nobody wears shoes here. And he walked away. Huh. This guy. This shoe, I mean, imagine the shoe salesman, right? Like, you're starting to get very frustrated. Like, you know, are you kidding me? But he, he goes to bed, gets his hotel room, goes to bed. Next morning he wakes up, he's having breakfast, and sure enough, the waitress, she walks over, no shoes. And he says, you know, could I just take a minute of your time and show you these shoes? It's like, oh, Sure. I've heard about these. I think, I think they would be great. And uh, he, he opens his case and he starts showing her all the, the latest fashions. And we all know, by the way, that fashion starts with the feet. Right? I wore my fanciest shoes today. And uh, she's getting excited about shoes. She, she sees the design and she's really starting to want these shoes. And he explains to her that, you know, she can have them. They're not very much. She can certainly afford them. Wouldn't take much effort on her part. And, you know, at the end, he, he says, you know, would you like to have some shoes? And she just said, well, nobody really wears shoes here. And she walked away. This in my mind, is an analogy of how we in the church, uh, generally over the course of my lifetime, 
have operated whenever we have this conversation about prayer. Everybody, we all recognize, oh, prayer's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That's, man, the church, the church really ought to return to God in prayer. I mean, especially now, right? I mean, our nation seems like, whew, messed up in so many ways. I, you know, individually, we, we, should, we really should consider you know, like praying on a daily basis, maybe even starting our day that way. We really should. Maybe as a church coming together. By the way, we have prayers on win- prayer here Wednesday at noon. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I know some people can't make it to that time, but just for information, you know, we really should pray as a church. Is anybody feeling guilty? I hope you are, because I feel guilty every time I think about this prayer, and I need some people to feel guilty with me. Convicted is the other term that we use. That's supposedly nicer. Well, I'm going to stop making you feel that way, and now hopefully inspire you to pray. Hebrews chapter 10, and starting in verse 20, verse 19. I don't know if 19's up here, but I'm gonna start there. You guys can pick it up at verse 20. But. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. There is a way to be righteous without being righteous. Jesus makes us righteous. We can each pray like Elijah prayed. We can each pray with the same power before God that Elijah had because of Jesus. Because Jesus makes us righteous, more righteous than Elijah. Oh, did you just hear that? More righteous than Elijah. Because Jesus is standing on our behalf. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. So don't ever let the enemy tell you that your prayers are not heard or will not be heard because you are not righteous, because you are not holy, because you are not perfect, because when your prayer comes before God, it has been purified by Jesus. It has been made righteous by Jesus himself. Jesus is interceding for you. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus invites us to pray. He says, keep on asking. 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Emphasis on keep on. Emphasis on be persistent in your prayers. Stay after it. Continue asking it, asking for it. Strongly desire it. And God will answer your prayers. And you can just imagine the thoughts going through people's minds because they've probably tried to pray before. They've probably asked God for things and they haven't seen God deliver in the way that they want him to deliver. And so that's why Jesus continues on. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? He reminds people that God is on our side. You've been wondering why this apple is here, haven't you? This is not to remind us of our sin, actually, this morning. This is to remind us of how good the Father is. Now, this is a very bad example if you happen to be very strange and you don't like apples. I, myself, I love apples. And... I think they look delicious. Um, there are a lot of extraordinary things that have to happen in order for an apple to exist. You know, you can just Google, how do we get apples? Uh, DNA studies have been done, and they think that apples originally came from Kazakhstan. So we can thank Kazakhstan for our apples. Um, there are so many extraordinary things about apples. They help with heart disease, bowel movements. Um, they help with, you know, there's all kinds of nutrients in here. They're actually wonderful. I heard some snickering there. Um, and they look good, especially if you've ever had one and you know you know, you know what they taste like. Um, they're, they're a little bit heavy, but I like to take these on a hike or hunting trip where I know that the first thing I'm going to do is hike up a very steep mountain. In Alaska, we don't seem to have hills, just steep mountains everywhere. And so when I'm hunting, it's usually going to start with a very steep, steep, long hike. And I pack this, even though it's extra weight, so that at the top when I take my pack off, I can reach into the top of my pack, and this is, this is my reward. Um, so the reason I'm going on and on about an apple is to give you one small example of the reality that God is with us. He is for us. He desires to answer our prayers. He's not hiding from us. He's saying, here I am. So, I'm guessing there's something that you've been praying for for a long time. 
keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. If you've never tried praying before, just begin asking God for the things that you need. Also in Matthew, uh, you know, Matthew chapter six, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. There's all kinds of instructions about you know, how to pray in the scriptures. But just start asking God for the things that you need, for the things that you'd like to see be different in the world. Ask God to change things. That's what God does. He changes people's hearts. He changes people's minds. He changes situations. God performs miracles. God is for us. If you would bow your heads and just close your eyes, I don't know how well this sound is going to come across, but I want you to hear the sound of me biting into this apple. And chewing it so I can talk again. I'm having a great experience right now. As soon as I'm done chewing this, I'm going to pray. <laughs> I didn't plan this part out. Okay. I think I can pray. Father, we ask that you would help us understand how you are for us. Help us to see the, the depth and breadth of your love for us so that, so that we will pray. We know that you want us to pray. We know that you want to reveal yourself to us. We know that you want to offer mercy to us to our nation, to our friends. Father, move on our hearts to pray, to pray in the morning, to pray at noon, to pray at night, to pray with people by ourselves every chance we get to be in your presence and to pray. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world, and hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks, and this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.